This is Annie Grace, and you're listening to this Naked Mind podcast, where without judgment, pain, or rules, we explore the role of alcohol in our lives and culture. Hi, and welcome to this Naked Mind podcast. This is Annie Grace, and today I'm excited to be here with Jenna Sinclair. Welcome, Jenna. It's so good to have you. Hi, Annie. Yeah, thanks for having me. So um, Jenna is, I love this title, a positive existential, like positive psychology existential life coach, which is just so cool. But you know me, I always like to start with the story. So I'd love to, you know, start there, like back up and why don't don't you give us your personal story? Thanks, Annie. Yeah, so um, I guess it all started when I was a child, as most stories do. And um, I grew up in pubs with my mum. And she was a single mum and um, it was kind of normal for me to hang around in pubs and drink a Coca-Cola and be friends with all the people there. And um, she would be drinking and that was normal. And then, you know, slowly I would kind of see her crying um, at the end of the night and she'd have to be kind of carried home by some of the local people. And then I kind of started to realise around nine or ten that drinking had a bit of a dark side. But as a, as a kid, you know, it was still kind of normal. Um, and then I got to about age 13 and I started to smoke weed. And that was great. <laughs> it was like a, an escape and a relief. And um, my mum was still drinking and I was thinking, I just don't want to be that. I don't want to drink because that is what drinking looks like. So I just smoke. <laughs> And um, this is cool, I still know what I'm doing, um, but I'm still fairly out of it, so that's, that's nice. Um, and then I got to 17, 18, and everyone was going to college and going out, you know, and I started drinking. And then that was it, really. Blackout started from there. Um, I was the one who people were having to look after quite a lot, you know, and, oh my God, Jenna, do you remember what you did last night? No tell me and then you know just that dreading what are they going to say and that carried on for about well I don't know until I was until I was about 24 um and then I met someone who I really liked and I decided that it was time that I sorted it out because the drinking was causing problems in the relationship and funnily enough I was turning into my mum And I was coming out with quite a lot of horrible things um, when I was drunk that was just completely not not who I was when I was sober. And that's what she used to do. And she came out with some really, really horrible cutting stuff that is, you know, deeply wounding, deeply scarring. Um, Things like, I wish I'd never had you, you know, I hope you get cancer. Things like this that are just kind of, you feel like they're unforgivable. Um, I wasn't coming out with things to that extent, but they were still pretty horrible compared to who I was as a sober person. So I um, started to get some counselling in order to save my relationship. Um, At the same time, my mum was into healthy eating and I grew up on a really healthy diet and she was always reading, and still is now, um, health magazines, uh, nutrition magazines. So I was quite into all of that 
so I decided to start a food blog when I was about, I don't know, 22, um, sharing recipes and promoting nutrition and well-being. But at the same time, I was like getting smashed and having blackouts. So, and also another reason I wanted to start the food blog was because I was super conscious about my weight. So I'd be there like, oh no, I can't drink beer. Um, I can't eat bread. I can't eat pasta, no carbs, no sugar. But then I would, I would drink loads and loads and loads and loads of booze. And that was fine. And then all the eating that came with that, you know, the second dinner, the eating a big meal to line the stomach, um, the hangover food, and the binge, blackout binge eating. And that was my kind of big crux, really. Um, so then I, I, I started to go to counselling and I was explaining to him that I felt like there was two people inside me. So one was this healthy eating advocate super into being healthy and um, super into personal development was reading self-help books from the age of 12 really into consciousness and spirituality and you know what the hell is this experience that we're having but at the same time just getting blackout drunk and wasting it and um, becoming this this secondary person who wasn't just completely wasn't me so therefore I kind of re I realise now that that was my initial entering into the cognitive dissonance stage. And it's horrible. You know, like you say in your book, you're fighting yourself and there's nothing worse than fighting yourself. So, so I did that for about five years. Um, meanwhile, um, I was trying to tell my friends and things like, oh, I want to stop drinking and then, you know, all the, why don't you just... All the, all the sentences that start with why don't you just or can't you just really piss me off. <laughs> but, I, you know, I understand now where they're coming from and can't you just alternate your drinks with a glass of water, can't you just have two drink max, can't you just um, not drink spirits or not drink shots or go home at 12, whatever. No, not possible. So I then did a... Um, sober october challenge i was thinking okay that sounds good that's like an organized thing that everyone seems to accept is okay you know when everyone was like i didn't know anyone that didn't drink at this point all my friends best friends um boyfriends big drinker um and so i felt a little bit like uh okay well this this will be a good way to to try sobriety um Previous to that, I did a 10-day water-only challenge, which was really nice. But we did the Sober October, me and my ex-boyfriend, and it was lovely. It was super lovely. We did the 5K colour run. Um, so we got into fitness. Um, we just had, we just did loads of really fun activities. And at the end of it, <clears throat> we were like, right, well, it's day 30. Let's go to the pub then. And we were, we were like really reluctant to have the drinks that we had ordered because we didn't want to spoil this amazing feeling we had. Yet we were thinking we had to celebrate this period. Yeah. <laughs> and, it, you know, looking back, it, I have total compassion for who I was then, but we just, we couldn't understand. And that night we, we got really, really, really smashed and 
I had one of the worst hangovers ever the next day. So that went on for like another year of just drinking and then I got to a point where I saw a photo of myself and I put on loads of weight from this relationship with, with this ex-boyfriend. We were drinking loads and loads of pints and eating so much comfort food. Um, and also my dad died in that, in that period. So I was kind of drinking to numb that, I think. Anyway, I saw this picture and I thought, right, no, 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 no. Something's got to change here. And so I did um, five weeks of sobriety in January 2017. And it was great. And then I broke up with my ex-boyfriend and I managed to not drink through the breakup. I thought, okay, that's cool. So not drinking during, during a hard time. That means that it's kind of easier than I imagined it would be. And um, previous to that, I'd been kind of scouring the internet looking for stories of people that had quit completely. And I was, I was looking at these people like, please tell me it's possible that you can quit and that it's... it's it will be okay. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that, that life is, you know, good and it's, it's easy and people that have quit for longer than I don't know um, a month or, or three months or something so I kind of secretly made it my one-year goal anyway I started drinking again I just thought I'd have like half a pint because what, what's half a pint and then um, it, it slowly spiraled downwards to another low point um, which was waking up after a blackout covered in cuts and bruises uh, with a stranger and it was Father's Day and um, I had no memory of what happened and he told me that we'd been fighting and loads of horrible things and I just thought okay that, that is enough and um, it was quite significant that it was Father's Day because my dad was teetotal mm. um, for the last kind of 15 years of his life so and he did spontaneous sobriety so i was like yes dad right cheers i'm gonna i'm gonna stop here um so from then on chills. that's so cool yeah i love i love that synchronicity and then i decided to just quit so in that period i did I ended up doing 95 days um and funnily enough and i love to pay attention to all these little signs and symbols and and magical synchronicities I met this woman who um, was on one of my tours I used to be a tour guide taking international students on trips around major cities and um, I don't know how we got talking I guess my job was to talk to everyone but we started talking about how she was mentoring women in prison who were incarcerated for their crimes but had no memory of committing them and I thought, okay, because I studied criminology at uni, so I was thinking I'd like to work in a prison one day. And I was thinking, wow, that is really, really quite amazing. Um, because I've had so many blackouts and so many periods of near misses, you know, falling backwards into a river, um, drink driving, being kicked out of clubs and police being called, you know, just horrible stuff. Leaving, leaving the house at 3am wearing nothing but a towel and bare feet and just wandering the streets of Brighton like a mad, a mad woman. Anyway, 
so she said um, she was mentoring these these women who had no memory of their crimes, and she quit drinking when she was 27, and I was 28 when I met her, and I was like, oh, that's interesting because um, most people I feel quit a little bit older, so it was really reassuring to to have met her. Um, it was eight days into sobriety then. She said, Jenna, put your energy into your life and not into a bottle. And I thought, mm. that's, that's really nice. And she said she goes to AA meetings um, and she meditates every day. Uh, and I was a meditator, still am a meditator now. At the time, uh, during those 95 days, meditating loads. And one of the reasons I really wanted to stop drinking was because it really messed with my ability to meditate. Because you know how your brain, your head's so foggy the next day, you're just like, oh, I can't, I can't manage. Well, this anxiety and fear is just crowding all my thoughts and I'm falling asleep as well because I'm so fatigued. Mm. So it was amazing to meet her. So I did the 95 days and they were effortless. And then I arranged to go on a holiday with a really good friend. And it was that high point of, I'm feeling so great, so happy, with a best friend, let's have a drink, and that will hopefully make things even better. And as you know, it's, it's that complacency, isn't it? And so I had the drink, and then that turned to slowly, slowly, another period which ended in another low point this, um, this April. So... Um, so I moved to San Sebastian um, at the start of the year in Spain and um, I decided to, you know, have you been to San Sebastian? It's very, it's very kind of tapas pinchos and very drinky, like a bottle of wine is a euro, it's everyone's drinking wine on the street at like half eleven, very cultural, but very inviting and you kind of very normalised and you kind of think, oh, okay, well it's fine, you know, everyone's just having a beer so I decided to join them um, which ended in another really low point of being alone in a bar crying and thinking okay this is this is mother behavior again um, what I didn't mention actually is that during my counseling I decided to stop speaking to my mum completely no contact for two years um, and that was great. And I think I, yeah, at the time I needed the space to reclaim my identity and stop myself from totally becoming her by, by getting that space. So um, last year, after during the 95 days, I decided to get back in contact with her. And I think the sobriety combined with the meditation helped the forgiveness process. Um, but while I was in San Sebastian, I decided to seek out the help of AA. I thought, why not? Um, I felt like a little bit lost as somebody who didn't identify as an alcoholic, but who needed help. And, you know, it wasn't like I was drinking a bottle of whiskey for breakfast. I was very, very functional and achieving loads, but still just having horrible blackouts and thinking, well, why is this happening? So I met this Irish man and he said, um, don't let anybody tell you you're an alcoholic. Don't let anyone tell you that you're not. And come to an AA meeting. 
so I went to an AA meeting which was all in Spanish <laughs> but I can't speak I can't really speak much Spanish I can understand more than I can speak but I understood about 10 to 20 percent of the whole meeting but I got the message you know every single person told me their story directed it at me it's very intense energy and they all said it's not going to get any better take it day by day I came out of there thinking wow okay yeah it is serious serious stuff here um another woman I met in San Sebastian she said have you ever heard of family systemic therapy and I hadn't and she said have you ever thought about the reason that you drink is um subconsciously is to is, is through loyalty to your to your mum because I've always said oh I don't want to become like her like I hate that that's my biggest fear but yeah I still do it and that's the cognitive dissonance and she said well maybe you do it because you secretly you know deep down you you're craving this love so you're kind of trying to prove that you're like her and you don't you're too scared to be to be separate from her mm. that was a real aha moment and I thought yeah it is I think it could be one of those reasons. So um, my friend said, you know, you need to accept your mum as a whole for the good that she's taught you, the healthy eating, and also the bad, um, which is don't drink and get fucked up, basically. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so that was a real aha moment. Um, anyway, I got a tattoo, which is the break the cycle. Nice. Um, break the family karma. Um, also, it's like imperfect, an imperfect uh, circle. Um, and fast forward to now, and I've stopped counting the days. I think I'm probably around in day 80 or something. But everything feels amazing. And I've just been on holiday uh, with my mum, which is the first sober. Uh, I had my first sober birthday since I was 13, um, so six, in 16 years, and um, it's the first holiday I've been on with my mum since I was, I don't know, 14. Wow. So it was a real, yeah, it's a, it's a real, um, it's a real turning point, and now she's, she's really interested in this not drinking. I can see that it's difficult for her to, to see me as this um, different person to her, um, but she's kind of interested and like I said she was reading your book and she was like so tell me more and that's just amazing to think that I can hopefully influence and help save her health and well-being you know oh that's amazing <clears throat> so that's where I'm at right now that's really cool so I love some of the things you said I love you know put your put your energy into the your life not the bottle. I think that's like, that's really a cool thing. I hadn't heard that before. And it's just so true. We put so much energy into drinking or not drinking or am I, aren't I, when should I, you know, and like just to reframe that entirely and be like, look, we have a finite amount of energy. Actually, we have significantly more when we're not poisoning ourselves. So, you know, putting it into just like, what do you really want to do? Do you want to really be, what do you, you don't want to become that's really cool yeah absolutely and the amount of energy that you have is incredible and I, I wrote about this in a blog post last year how every day you just feel elated naturally 
I wish I'm just shocked still am really how how you can you just you know and it's it's this positive spiral isn't it where you just you sleep better so you have more energy you feel better so you're happier so then you you pursue pursue your goals um and then you you do well in them so then you get good feedback and then you feel happier again and then you want to get fit and then you do the exercise and then you feel good and then you sleep better <laughs> you're like well I don't want to drink ruin it all yeah and everything's just yeah and then you eat better because you're respecting your body more and if you've lost weight then you want to respect and, and maintain that and it's just like there's it's just limitless isn't it like how good you can get I feel yeah. So I love about your journey is just, you know, so many people identify with this so much like the stops and starts like, okay, the 95 days, the five weeks, the mm -hmm. 30 days. And like, they were all such amazing experiences, but then there was something. And I like what you said, you know, um, this is so good that, you know, somehow this drink is going to make it better. And I think our mind does trick us like that. Like there's so many stories I've heard. Well, I was just celebrating. Like people have even said I was celebrating my five year sober anniversary and then boom, you know, and um, it's incredible how sometimes it isn't. And I like what you said too, because you said I intentionally went through a breakup without drinking because I didn't want to self-medicate. But it was in that moment of everything being perfect and being super happy that actually I was like, oh, okay, you know, what you said was complacency. And um, I think it's really important to look at that, you know, because often we think, well, I'm going to just get my arm twisted socially. It's going to be a vacation. Like everybody holds out for vacations thinking, okay, well, I just can't imagine this trip or I can't imagine this scenario. And the truth is you'll never be able to imagine it until you do it, by the way. And then when you do it, you come out the other side and it's like, oh, wow, like that was, that was pretty spectacular. Like that was better than I ever expected. Um, so it's, or people are holding out for like, what if something happens that I don't feel like I can deal with, like the crutch. But often people are blindsided by the everything's perfect. So then I'm going to be triggered to have, you know. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, my brother said to me, he was like, wow, if you didn't drink on that holiday with mom, then like that was the biggest uh, litmus test, really. And I was thinking, yeah, well, you know, that's I don't see it as a crutch. I don't see like in your book, you know, I don't see any benefit. I don't see how it's going to make any situation better now. Um, it's not going to take any bad feelings away. It's just going to exacerbate them. And it's how can it possibly make any good experiences better? Because it is just poison. So, yeah. And I've got so much respect and admiration for our bodies. And I really like in your book what you're saying about homeostasis. How do you say it? Homeostasis? Homeostasis? Homeos well, I say homeostasis, but I'm yeah. Sure <laughs> slightly different um and and how the body is so amazing and, and at regulate self-regulation and you know i study psychology so i'm so interested in in the mind and and consciousness and i like how this is a kind of sea for consciousness as well as a reminder like don't black out keep your consciousness this is amazing this is the gift that we have this is what separates us from animals this is what makes us uh, you know this is our in our evolution i think the future for humans is is more awareness and collective consciousness so yeah i i really loved your example about um the captain of the ship 
having the red light flashing and and saying warning warning there's a storm and then uh, it's you know when we drink it's like saying oh don't need that red light just gonna put that over in the bin (laughs) (laughs) why would you do that our bodies are amazing if we tune into them you know meditation or, or not even just pay attention they are there for us and yeah i just i just don't see how you would turn off any of those senses especially when we live in such an amazing amazing world and um some of the interventions in positive psychology to help people feel better are things like practicing awe so going outside in nature and and just looking at a tree being like ah that's just fucking great isn't it (laughs) like you know um just marveling at how wonderful this this planet is or or savoring um just taking the time to to really savor taste or smell or feeling or practicing gratitude or um meditation or exercise and all of these things alcohol prof ruins um and all of these things without alcohol in your life are just so much better and i don't know i've I've fallen in love again with life completely oh that's so awesome there's a chef i forget his name but he's a quite famous chef recently and he stopped drinking i think about a year a year and a half ago and he just it's changed how he cooks and he you know he's realized that actually alcohol really numbs your your taste buds and it makes you less able to taste and less able to savor and he's like i don't want my food to be given to people who like are are drinking so much they can't actually enjoy the flavors and they can't actually enjoy um the thing so like he recommends actually his food be before drinks and like make sure people aren't drinking when they eat certain dishes of his which you know is just cool there was this whole thing done up and written up in like i think the new york times or something on him because it it was just such a neat thing um to think about but yeah just savoring all the stuff because we get all of those things confused right we think well you know but I can't, I can't savor like a really good meal without a glass of wine. Like what that's sacrilege, you know, we, we believe these things when actually the opposite is really true. I really like to tell you, um, I think the secret to really overcoming, like it's very clear to me that you don't have cognitive dissonance anymore. Like you are just like, it's very, you're very aware. You're so certain. You're so clear. You've done the pits, the troughs, you've done like the things you've done the work and you counted every one of those things as a lesson. That's something else I really hear from you is that your experience has been um, an incredible teacher as opposed to something that you've counted as well. You know, I, I should have done that or I should have not done that. Like you, you haven't had, I haven't heard any regret in your journey. And I think that's really beautiful. And I think that's certainly one of the true secrets to like embracing this is just realizing like, yeah, it might take five tries. Like it doesn't matter. It might take 10 tries. It might take six years. Like the average actually that it takes from somebody becoming aware they want to change their drinking to them actually changing it is six years. Now that's like without, um, that's with, like going to AA and different stuff like that, but it is um, like just, it, it's incredible how long it can take from the point we become aware, like, okay, this little niggle that this isn't quite right to the, the day we're like, okay, we're finally free from that. So I don't know, I just really like that. And I think that also you've uncovered all the rocks, right? There isn't like some big lingering thing that you're like, well, and I think that's another testament to your journey. So you said, okay, so 
what if you were on that holiday with your friend and you hadn't had that drink, right? Or what if you were in that boozy Spanish town with all the wine at 11 a.m. for one euro and you hadn't kind of indulged in that? It would have been a question for you. You would have been like, well, and now you can just be really clear. Like, okay, I've, I've done the things, I've experienced the things, now I know for certain because it's clear to me that like your experience is like owned, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, thank you. And I, th I think you're right. And I'm still kind of discovering new experiences. You know, I, I did actually say no to a, a wedding because uh, one of my friend's weddings earlier in May because I was, I was just anxious about it. I was like, how am I going to, I kind of only really know like three people and they're all going to be really pissed. And uh, I mean, I did have a big assignment to do as well. So I did have other reasons to not go. But one of the big reasons was a was that social anxiety so it's still there um and I'm I'm still experiencing the new you know you know it says like it takes a year to kind of really experience all the different holidays and, and all the different events um to get used to it um but another amazing thing is that sobriety gives you confidence and it's dispelling I love this like dispelling that myth that you need to have a drink and it's, I love what you were saying. I've really related to what you were saying in your book about, um, you know, like you'd fly around and it would be a different time zone and you'd be like, well, it's five o'clock somewhere, you know, that kind of thing. And I was the same. Um, and I would have a drink. I used to make videos for my food blog and I'd have, I'd have drinks before I did it, thinking this makes me more confident, more funny. Bollocks. No, it doesn't. It, it slows you down completely. And, and so this, this kind of, I love being able to go to a party and have the kind of calm, quiet confidence. Um, and also what you're saying about learning the lessons. Uh, yeah, I think I, I used to be really frustrated at myself. Why am I not getting this? Why am I not learning this? Why can't I stop drinking? But I think meditation really helps with this. It's a kind of it's self-compassion isn't it it's like well that's a part of who you are and it's all part of the process and um insight comes through awareness and wisdom is you know in knowledge without if you don't apply knowledge then there's no point having the knowledge so um yeah i mean i'd say to anyone else out there who's given themselves a hard time just forgive yourself and allow yourself time and space because yeah and I know what it's like to give yourself a real horrible my friend calls it the pit he's like oh Jen I've been in the pit all weekend just staring at the ceiling for 12 hours like hating myself but yep <laughs> what you mean um it's so I like what you say like knowledge if you don't apply it sort of what's the point and I think so many people get stuck in that especially you know, you can read something like my book or, or some other literature on it and be like, okay, well, now I know better, you know, or I always hear this from doctors. There's a lot of doctors in my program and um, medical doctors, nurses. And they're like, I see this every day. Like, I know better. And they yeah. say, well, knowing isn't enough, you know, like you have to take action. You have to have the experiences. You have to allow yourself um, to actually go through the situation you know there was an instance where I was talking to someone and she was really um, socially anxious about that first date and she's like I don't think I'm ever going to be able to let go of the fact that I would want 
alcohol on a first date because it just like would relax you so much. And, and, um, and we really explored that and we really looked into the fact, well, you know, it might relax you, but how has it gone in the past when you relaxed on a first date with alcohol? I'm just like, yeah, not good. And I'm like, and you're not, you know, like you're single now. So obviously like nothing really tangible has come from that. And I was like, you will have that anxiety about a first date until you go on the first date without alcohol. Like that yeah. will exist. And um, I didn't go to a wedding. I just, at the time in my life, <clears throat> unfortunately, like more people, you, you go through the weddings and then you go through the having kids and then you start to go through the divorces and then you start to go through the remarriages. Um, so that's kind of the cycle. But so I was definitely in the, not the wedding cycle, but I had a younger cousin who got married about two and a half years after I stopped drinking. And um, I was so anxious about it, even two and a half years later, because it was a new experience that I had never done. And it was with family, but it was with lots of family I hadn't seen for a long time. I knew everybody was going to be drinking. I was, you know, and, and I just did it anyway. And I actually like recorded videos of it because I was already doing this whole thing. And um, it's just incredible that you really do have to apply the knowledge to get your own experiences because that's where it becomes like truly life-changing like you won't you won't change your life with just knowledge you just no absolutely yeah you have to apply and and yeah and all your relationships will change as well and that's another thing that i've that i've experienced and um after counseling you know I've, I, my boundaries changed and my self-respect changed and then alcohol my relationship with alcohol changed as a result of my self-respect changing and um all my all my relationships changed it led to a breakup and he was still drinking quite a lot and I couldn't handle it and um you know changed my relationship with some really close friends <clears throat> and that is quite unnerving and quite you know it shakes your whole core um people kind of adjusting to this new you and stuff and but ultimately I think they are learning from you and I've had loads of people coming out the woodwork and saying oh by the way like I really want to do something about my drinking and I'm like I haven't spoken to you for 10 years but okay cool like that's really good news so yeah I think it's worth going through that um period of uh well I'd call it I'd call it loneliness to be frank and I felt a little bit isolated when I when I first stopped last year but but now I feel comfortable going out with my friends who do drink and and saying yeah, you guys carry on you know like I, I respect everyone is on their own journeys with, with with whatever and some will never stop and that's cool yeah for sure so um two more questions for you for the podcast well first of all is it your birthday today it was um, last week. Oh, okay, when we yeah. rescheduled. Okay, well, happy birthday anyway. <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> um, but the first question is, you know, a little bit about your work and where people can find you. Yeah. Um, so I'm on livingintentionally.co.uk, um, which is my coaching website. Um, I've also got a Facebook page that I've been sharing videos with some insight on there. Um, I've got a food blog called Raw Rhubarb. Um, so I've, I've been doing collaborations with Jamie Oliver for the last few years as a food revolution ambassador to kind of try to help childhood obesity and just change the way the world has access to food education. Um, 
so that's what I'm doing at the moment. Um, yeah, I had a question for you as well about um, sleep. Yeah. And how, because when I stopped drinking, I was thinking, okay, I'm exercising way more. So I'm going to sleep really tired, but I'm waking up after like five or six, five or six or seven hours, like being ready to go, refreshed. I was thinking, what's going on here? Is this withdrawal? Is, or am I just sleeping deeper? Or I don't know, what, what's your take on it? So um, <clears throat> you have two types of sleep and one is called REM, like the rapid eye movement sleep. And alcohol pretty much disrupts your ability to get REM sleep. And uh, it just means that you never go into a deep enough cycle. And so you never stay there long enough. So although you fall asleep faster and you can black out and be completely unconscious, you never actually go into the REM sleep. You can be like totally unconscious, but not getting that rapid eye movement sleep. So alcohol messes with your ability to get REM sleep. When they've, they've done experiments with rats where they've not allowed rats to have REM sleep, for like seven or eight weeks and the rats get sick. Some of them even die. Like it's very, very important for humans. And so a lot of people are surprised um, because once you start getting those natural cycles of sleep, like a grown adult doesn't necessarily need more than five to seven hours of sleep a night. And so it's like incredible because, and I know this is true for me. Um, so I have three children and I was drinking heavily during you know, the, the baby stage of both of my boys. And basically <clears throat> it was almost more so than ever before because it was like, okay, well now I know I don't have a problem because I just gave it up for nine months and like, let's go, right? And so I remember just that first year of parenthood when they're not sleeping through the night consistently, literally being exhausted to the point of tears almost every single day, like exhausted to the point of like, I understand why this is torture in some, you know, sleep deprivation can be a form of torture exhausted and just absolutely shattered all the time. Um, and so now I'm a year into having my baby daughter and not drinking and it doesn't even bother me. Like I haven't probably had more than maybe four hours consecutive sleep in at least 12 months and like I mean I am like I have more energy than it's unbelievable to me how little sleep yeah. I need and so yeah that's mm -hmm. that's the reason and if you're curious more about this um there is a book that I recommend it's called Alcohol Explained by um, William Porter and he really goes into detail on the sleep cycle he's actually British as well he um he um is a barrister but he's just like so keen on the research that the amount of research that he did in this book, I think it like dwarfs the amount of research that I did in my book, which is saying something because I did a lot of research, but um, it's, it's, uh, it's definitely more a researchy book. So it's like, if you want to know the answers to things, like, you know, you can dig into this book and it's quite good in that, in that way. Um, so yeah, so I'd, I'd recommend that because he really goes deep into like exactly that cycle and why I like, think it's incredible though. It's such a cool thing. And so people, you know, I know lots of people who um, <laughs> like just they wake up at four or five in the morning because they just feel like, wow, it's peace and quiet. It's before the day begins. I like to watch the sunrise. Like they've discovered this whole period of time that early morning time where, you know, before it was like, and I, I had some hangover about it mentally where it was like, but I should be asleep. But I used to like cling to my bed, like so desperately, you know, at least until eight in the morning or whatever time. And so I had this just like, imagine that 
I was just doing myself such a disservice getting out of bed. And once I just let go of that BS, <laughs> then it was like, okay, like this is actually awesome <laughs> because um, I just need less sleep and I have just as much, if not more energy, uh, no more, certainly more with significantly less sleep, which is just phenomenal. And it's cool to have the experiences of like newborn baby drinking, newborn baby, not drinking. And by the way, um, I'm going to be 40. So it's like, not like it was a newborn baby <laughs> and like, <laughs> I'm, I'm young. Like I, I waited seven years between the, the boy and the girl. So it's yeah, significant, but yeah, it's a great question. That's amazing. And I love how much extra time you just have by not drinking as well. You know, like no hangovers, no time wasted, no time laying in, in the pit, thinking about getting up, like you said, you just got all this energy and extra time and it's just like everything's coming back twofold yeah and it's Tenfold. just amazing incredible how we just all kind of almost suffer in silence like i love that your friend talks to you about the pit and you guys kind of have a chat about that but it's funny to me that like we just didn't i mean i feel like now obviously i talk to people about this all the time but before especially when I was drinking, it was just, we all just suffered in silence. And it wasn't until I started talking about it that other people were like, oh my gosh, me too. <laughs> I was like, wow, we're just all, we're just all thinking we all have to do this. We're all keeping up with each other. It's like the emperor's clothes or something where it's just, you know. Yeah, it's just no one questions it, isn't it really? And yeah, so I loved what you're doing and I love your message and your deconditioning and how, yeah, I think it's so essential and I love that people can re fall in love with life, you know, and just discover the need, the, the, the lack of need to, well, to drink. Awesome. So one last question for you, Jenna, which is a question I always end on. Um, so if you were going to go back and, and tell yourself, you know, look, take, go back in time and just have a chat with yourself, you know, what would you tell Jenna of being being afraid, being alone, not knowing if it was going to work, being scared, like what would you tell her about how life is today? Um, I'd say you have no idea how amazing it's going to become. Um, if you just stick with listening to that little voice that is telling you that it's not right to keep drinking. Because um, it was a very innate kind of feeling of this isn't right. And it had been for ages. Um, I, I was with my friends and they'd be like, right, I'm going to get vodka. And I was just dreading it. You know, I started dreading nights out, thinking, oh, what the hell is going to happen tonight? Um, and so, but society kind of muted that voice. So I guess it's just, remember that nothing's permanent. Everything's always changing. Um, have compassion to where you are now. And you're in the perfect place that you're supposed to be exactly I believe it unfolds perfectly and um, pay attention to the signs and synchronicities and um, yeah life is absolutely fantastic without alcohol and I've, I've experienced it full-on both ways so and I can say it's so much more fun it's so much more thrilling everything is better all senses are better everything's more exciting all the feelings are real it's just so much more money, so much more sleep, so much more energy. Like, ah, it's just, it's just amazing. I just want to shout it from the rooftop. That's so awesome. That's so cool. Well, thank you so much, Jenna. It's been just such a pleasure. I really appreciate it. It's been a great chat.
Thanks, Annie. Yeah, you too. All right, have a good day. Thanks, you too. Bye-bye. This has been Annie Grace with This Naked Mind Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. You can learn more at thisnakedmind.com. And please remember to rate, review, and subscribe as it really helps us spread the word. Thank you.